Um, there's a movie that came out uh, over the last couple of months that, that potentially, I know a few of you have seen and potentially maybe more of you have seen, uh, but it's a movie by the title of The Greatest Showman. Uh, the Greatest Showman is a, a musical, it's an original musical uh, that, was, that was released about the life of P.T. Barnum who started uh, the circus, right, and, and, uh, and had um, within the circus uh, unique people, what, what we have referred to and other people have referred to as circus freaks, uh, that other people would come and look at and sort of witness and just go, wow, how crazy are these people? But P.T. Barnum in this movie is portrayed as somebody who is uh, out to entertain people, that he is out to put on uh, the greatest show, an amazing show, so that people would see um, maybe that people would just enter into uh, a place of wonder and a place of awe as they experience uh, this show that he is putting on. Some people have, uh, have looked at the movie and, and said that it's not very historically accurate when it comes to the character of P.T. Barnum, that, that they give him in this movie uh, a lot of grace in thinking that he is actually out to uh, help the world see that, that these unique people that he puts on display, that he is actually for them and he wants people to come and celebrate them as opposed to like he just wants to maybe exploit them and make some money off of them but the show is incredibly entertaining and I think this was pointed out by Waylon when we were talking once that if you if a movie is to be made about a showman like P.T. Barnum it, it maybe history isn't the most important thing maybe it is about entertainment maybe it is about dazzling people and wooing people and wowing people and it's this really um, uh, wonderful thing that's there. I mean, the, the, the music is incredibly catchy, uh, and, and the message even within it, there's several messages within it that I found to be uh, really powerful, and so it's not shallow, but some would say that it doesn't touch all of the historical accuracies or even get into the interesting parts of P.T. Barnum's life uh, as maybe they were hoping that it would have. Uh, but it shows you a picture of somebody that is out to entertain, that is out to wow, and that wants to put on uh, a great show. Do we think of God as a dazzling showman? One of the things that we have been doing over the last couple of weeks is looking at uh, false images of God that we are able to hold. And the reason that we feel as though this is important is because who we see God as begins to reflect in the way that we live out our, our Christian lives. What it is that we value is important. What it is that we do, we become uh, who it is or what it is that we worship. And so we've been looking at different images that we may have, and, and one of the images that has sort of impacted me is this picture of a, of a dazzling showman, of the greatest showman. Is God like this? Is God someone who is uh, pulling out all of the stops to amaze us, to dazzle us, to impress us? Is this what God is there to do? Does God, above all, desire that we will be impressed by him? Could we uh, consider him the greatest showman uh, within, within the world? And, and is, that, is that what's at his heart? I mean, there's truth within this. As, as we've talked about uh, different images, there are truth, there's truth generally within uh, the pictures that we are presenting to you of God that we may have held onto, that we may have grabbed, um, but it's not a complete picture. And so the truth within, within this picture of God as a, as a dazzling showman is that he has um, created 
uh, awesome things, that he himself is someone who can create awe within us, that he is one who has power uh, and he creates awe and there is wonder within him. Uh, the fact that all of creation is beyond extravagant, that it is not just uh, our necessities that exist within this world, but that God actually insisted on creating beauty, that God actually insisted upon making food uh, delicious, not just like satisfying to what it is that we need, that there is this idea uh, that there is uh, beauty and awe and wonder within creation, that within the story of, of Exodus, when God sends Moses to uh, demand that Pharaoh and the Egyptians release uh, the Israelites from slavery, that God sends Moses in a display of power that there are the ten plagues that he says, if Pharaoh hardens his heart, then these are the things that I will do through you so that my power will be seen by this other nation and, in effect, uh, by the world. And you also see within the New Testament that Jesus had a number of power encounters, that there were miracles that he performed, that there were demons that he cast out of people, that there, were, um, there was food that was multiplied or created out of nothing really other than water, that, that there is power uh, behind uh, God, that he is one who is a, a creator of awe and a creator of wonder. But God also reveals himself within Scripture, not only in the display of power, but actually even uh, after a display of power. You have the story of, of Ezekiel. No, not Ezekiel. It's Elijah. <laughs> One of those E guys. Uh, Elijah, who has been uh, talking to God and, and, and wanting to meet with God uh, as he has been discouraged, and that God comes to him. It says that, that Elijah is in a cave and, and that, that wind and fire and, and all of these powerful displays kind of happen outside of this cave, but it says after each one that God was not in that, but that God was in a gentle whisper that came after the displays of power. And so you actually do have God uh, not displaying himself in power, but displaying himself in something that is uh, possible for us to miss, possible for us not to notice, but for it to just sort of go by us. You know, one of the other truths I think that is within, that is within this picture of, of God as a dazzling showman is this idea of experience, that, that God is someone that we need to experience, just like P.T. Barnum would put on uh, an amazing experience for people to come and to leave uh, and to be elated, to be excited, that God is someone who wants us to experience him and wants us to experience him in some of these ways that can be considered um, uh, exciting and can be ex that can be considered elating. One of the, one of the there, there's four different uh, kind of indicators when a study came out a few years back studying like Canadian young adults, youth and young adults, saying how come uh, some have stuck with church and how come others haven't, that there were sort of four indicators that took place of those mostly, stereotypically, who stayed with the church uh, that they kind of had within their church experience. And one of those things was that they had a genuine encounter, a genuine experience with God. That it wasn't just uh, something that they had been told about. God wasn't someone that they had just been told was real and told existed, but that they had actually, in some way, shape, or form, whether it was through Scripture, whether it was through worship, whether it was through uh, just a, a time of silence by themselves, that God encountered them and they encountered God. 
it's important that we experience God to be able to uh, know him, to have faith in him, and to continue to, to make our faith our own. But it's not always in a display uh, or, or in a, a tantalizing act of power that God appears to us. For me, I think that it's mostly been um, in quiet stillness that he's changed my life. There are those moments where God has just broken through and something incredibly powerful has happened, but so often it's been uh, in a moment that I could have missed. What are some indicators, maybe, that, that this view of God is one that you might hold? What are some indicators that you might potentially view God, whether, whether you, know, you, you acknowledge it or not or see it or not, whether we do see it within ourselves, what are some indicators that you would hold this view that God is a dazzling showman, that above all things, God should impress me, that God needs to show me his power? One of the indicators, I think, is something that, that I affectionately refer to. I do not derogatorily refer to it this way, but I affectionately refer to as charismania. It's this idea that we must experience uh, a powerful move of the Spirit, that we must see God do something that is entirely unexplainable. Now, this is something that, if we are to leave it unchecked, could be uh, present within the Alliance. We long to see a movement of God. We long to see things happen that we can't explain. And we need that to happen because for so long our, our leaders are saying we have done church mostly without needing God to show up. But in our current culture, um, we are not able to do these things on our power anymore uh, that we need God to arrive. We need God to move. We need him to show up. But I think the difference between the, the two things that I've mentioned here is that our faith as a movement of churches and, and our faith, if we are to want, to want to see and long to see a movement of the Spirit, that our faith is not based on it. That if we have to see it and if we don't see the Holy Spirit do something, if my prayer isn't answered miraculously, I will then not believe in God. That's a problem. But if we are to long for those things, yet when we don't see them, we still say, I know that God loves me. I know that God is moving. I know that God is powerful. Then that is, uh, that's an important thing for us to have. Our faith can't be dependent on these moves. Power displays that you do see in Scripture often. I mean, you do have people that, that when they witnessed a miracle, uh, their, their lives were deeply changed. They experienced healing, they experienced freedom, and some, who we don't really hear about again, uh, at least were moving in the direction of, uh, of, thing, uh, of good ways. There was the, the, uh, the demoniac, or the demoniac, who was um, freed in the graveyard that, that had, it said, legion inside of him, a legion of demons. That when Jesus freed him, that when Jesus cast out the demons, uh, I believe that he wanted to go with Jesus, but Jesus said, no, 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 you go back to your village and you go tell them. And so we know that his trajectory uh, was one in which he had faith in Jesus and he was going to go and tell people about him. We don't hear much beyond that, but we see that his life was deeply changed from power experiences, from a power display uh, of God's mighty, uh, mighty power. What you see probably more often, if you really do look at it, is to say that, that the displays of power that Jesus did in the Gospels produced a very shallow faith in people. Because I say this, 
Because if he fed 4,000 people, if he fed 5,000 people, how come in the upper room after Jesus had left and the disciples were left and they were praying and the Holy Spirit fell on them, how come there was only 120? Of everybody who had experienced, of the uh, close to 10,000 people, maybe there's a couple of doubles in there, <laughs> who had experienced this miraculous feeding from the hand of Jesus, how come more of them weren't there? You have different stories of this where, where 10 lepers came and were healed by Jesus and nine of them uh, took off and kind of only one of them returned. That There is this idea that, that while a, a power display kind of happens when it seems like within the Gospels, the kingdom of light or the kingdom of heaven comes up against the kingdom of darkness, that Jesus is moving the kingdom forward, that you have these power displays to show that God is truly God over any little g gods of the region, other spirits that people may worship and value and all that sort of stuff. When the kingdom of heaven comes against those, you see power displays. But it isn't necessarily the thing that produces lasting faith. It's a good starting point, but it's got to move on from beyond there. Jesus says to the disciple Thomas, after he appears to him when he's been resurrected, and Thomas has said, I, I, need, to, I need to put my fingers in the holes in, in Jesus' hands to believe that he's actually here. Jesus shows up graciously and he says, okay, here you go. But after that he says, blessed are those who have believed without seeing. And partly, if not in, in a large part, that is faith. That faith is believing without seeing. Perhaps one of, uh, another indicator that you may uh, view this, that you may hold this idea that God is a dazzling showman, is that you have an obsession with the new and exciting. That you... Maybe the day one that Mr. Mike's was, was open, you had to go there. <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> you know that that was maybe something. You, you have to try the new restaurant. You need to have uh, the new technology, the new gadget. You need to have new clothes, uh, a new house, or the house has to be updated. Like, it's been two years. We've got we've to do something new with this. This is terrible. Something new has to happen at work. Maybe you jump from job to job to job very often because you need something new. And some of us are just designed that way, but sometimes it can become uh, a bit of a a hindrance. Sometimes we need new friends. We get bored with our old friends and it's like, eh, I need somebody new and exciting. That we need that hit of something new. It's possible that you may hold a view that God is out to impress me, that God has to wow me, that God is out to uh, dazzle me. And that's the other thing, is that you actually do hold a view that, that there, is, there is never, something is never good enough. You always need to be wowed. Whether it be in your times with God, you know, Scripture has to really jump out at you for it to be something significant. Times in church, this preacher better bring out a really great story or an amazing point and better show me something in Scripture that I don't know before. Um, and that's what I need. When you're uh, in the music that you listen to and the circumstances within your life, uh, in, in your prayer life, that there has to be this idea that, that God wows me, that God really shows up in, in an unprecedented way. And even for God, well, God could do that, but it's not necessarily the way that he chooses to operate all the time. We need variety in our lives. Don't hear me to say 
that whatever is old and traditional is what we have to do and new things are terrible and, and, uh, and big things and impressive things are, are, are just flash and garbage. That's not what I'm saying. But if our need becomes this, we may have a view of God as a greatest showman type God. What's the danger in this? What's the danger in this? I think that the danger in this is that we will always look for God in the grandiose big things in life. And that we will miss him often because God really works in small ways uh, just as often as he works in big ways. That we will tune our hearts we will tune our minds and our spirits to only see what is impressive, what is mind-blowing, and we won't be able to see God in the small, mundane, repetitive things of day-to-day life. That we will look at our lives and we will say, God is not doing anything, or God is not answering my prayers when there is so much that he is doing, when there is so much that he is saying, and there is so much that he is answering, but we've just tuned our hearts to see something different or to not see him in those things. So what's an alternate picture for us? If God is the greatest showman, is not a complete picture of, of who God is. Because again, there is truth in it and there is important things that we need to see about the power of God. Then what could be a good addition to or, or uh, another, another piece of this? In Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27, we see uh, at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, after Jesus has taught uh, for uh, probably a number of hours, he then says to uh, all that are gathered, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. I believe... Uh, if we add this to uh, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 10 and 11, because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, which is Jesus Christ. That a counter picture to God as dazzling showman, God who is out there to impress me and wow me uh, and, and, and make sure that I am uh, aware of his power, uh, is God the firm foundation, Jesus the solid rock, on whom we build everything, uh, our church, on whom we build our lives, on whom we build our habits, on whom we build um, our, our calendars, that Jesus is the solid rock, the firm foundation, that he is unchanging, that there is no shifting shadows within him, that he is not tossed about by the winds and the waves, but that he is solid and that he is strong and that he is the one on whom we build everything that is in our life. 
I was always impressed in my youth about uh, the story of, of uh, Moses taking the people across the Red Sea. I think I've shared this before, but it was, it was this sort of pivotal foundational thing that I saw um, in Scripture that always helped, made me long for something great and for something impressive. That if Moses, with God's power, was able to part the Red Sea, Oh God, what could I do? And it was this thing of like, I just, I just desire to see these huge moves of God. And, and, and that's not a terrible desire. As I was reflecting on, on that story once again of, of Moses in the Red Sea, I, I'm remembering uh, Prince of Egypt and like how people are walking across are walking across as the waves have parted and the water is just kind of around them and they're looking in and they see like, I don't know if it was whales or giant fish or whatever kind of swimming uh, in, in the shadow and people are all impressed with the waves and, and, and the water that just kind of stops. And that makes a lot of sense when I think about that miracle. That's what impresses me is, is the waves that are there. But I never really realized or haven't thought about it before uh, how also impressive it would be that they could actually walk across it where gallons and liters and, and, and uh, incredible weights of water had just been, they were then able to walk across on dry ground. Like they were able to walk across on a firm foundation. If the water had just parted and God had done nothing but move the water, um, they would likely sink into muck and mud, right? But God, in what is also amazing, makes the ground firm for them to be able to walk across. And I don't know, I think that for me is a, is a picture of this, that not only is it this impressive thing, but it's the impressive thing that's happening under our feet that we never really think about and we don't even necessarily see, that he creates for us a firm foundation to be able to walk on and to build our life upon. One last picture that I want to leave you with is in Mark chapter 4. Uh, verses 30 to 32, and it's this very little parable that Jesus gives. And he says this, Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? And, and each sort of description, each parable that Jesus uses is kind of like layer upon layer of, of picture for us of what the kingdom of God is, right? So taking one on its own is not always complete, but here it goes anyway. <laughs> how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed, the smallest of seeds planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches, and birds can make nests uh, in its shade. And this is, uh, once again, I think, a beautiful counterpicture um, to God only as the greatest showman and there to impress us. Because it's not as though the seed is planted in the ground, and then oh, one season, it's now a giant mustard bush, plant, tree, whatever it is. It takes time. It's something that you plant in the ground that either you give attention to or, or God gives attention to through uh, the weather and patterns and all that sort of stuff, and that it's actually over time that this plant would become the largest plant. That it is uh, our discipleship one of the things that I love from the journey, there's a number of things, but the, the leadership, discipleship, intensive training thing that, that we have here every now and then, one of the things that I love from the journey is that it talks about, they talk about discipleship as being a combination of uh, critical events in our lives that God has brought about or have happened to us, how it is that we respond to those events um, over time. 
that, that all of our lives take place, all of our growth, all of our movement into Christ-likeness happens over time. That it is not an instantaneous thing. It is not something that um, you know, occurs just here uh, and then you go out and then you come back here and, 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 and it repeats, right? It's something that happens uh, all throughout our lives in the little day-to-day things. I, I'm not an expert with plants. I'm really terrible with plants. I, I try not to touch them uh, <laughs> or care for them. I try to be in a place where I don't have to offer any care for plants whatsoever. Um, but one of the things that I remember hearing farmers say, people who do know uh, about plants and growth and things like that, is that every now and then, you know, in Saskatchewan, we will have, it's not even every now and then, it's quite often actually, within the summer, we have these storms that are just like powerful yet quick. They come and they dump a bunch of water down and then they're gone. And I think, oh great, look at all the rain we just got. That's perfect. <laughs> but that's not the best kind of rain. That can cause floods. That doesn't, uh, that doesn't seep into the ground as much as it needs to. But that the more effective way for our crops to be watered, for our uh, gardens to experience life, is for uh, a long, steady rain to take place over time. And it doesn't have to be pounding down on the ground, but as long as it's steady uh, and it's, it goes for a while that we see the benefits uh, within that. And so I think that this picture for me reminds me of um, a book title, which is, which, is worth the, which is worth the money of the book itself, of Eugene Peterson's, that he says that the Christian life is like a long obedience in the same direction. That it isn't about necessarily like the, the, these powerful moments of, of the inbreaking of God in these displays of power are a part of our Christian life. Um, but it is about our long obedience over time in the same direction towards Christ-likeness, towards the kingdom in the ways that God wants us to change. And that this so often takes place within the ordinary things in life, within walking with God every day tuning our hearts to see him in the small things. You know, I was looking back on my Saturday. One of the practices that I keep trying to bring into my life, and I just struggle with, if you, if you understand that, you know that there's something that's going to be good for you, <laughs> and you just can't make yourself do it. For me, it's, it's the prayer of examen, or examen, uh, if that makes sense for you. And it's, uh, it's a prayer that is prayed at the end of the day. It's not even like a set prayer, but it would be, oh God, help me you know, examine my day, examine my life. Let me look back on the things that I've done and would you show me where I've done well <laughs> and where I haven't? Would you show me where you have been and maybe where I've missed you, where I've partnered with you or, or where I haven't? Would you walk me through my day, point out to me little things uh, that I need to see? I struggle with it. I know that it's important for me because if I don't live an examined life, I can't change things. I can't become more like Christ. If I don't see in my life uh, what he would point out and say, yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> I need him to do that and I need to, to partner with him to do that. And so this morning, as I was thinking about how to end uh, our time, I began sort of reflecting on uh, my Saturday. I sort of prayed a, a prayer of examen uh, for the, the previous day to say, okay, God, where were you? 
I didn't see, I think, any, any incredible displays of power. I didn't have pain that was healed. I didn't have uh, sickness that was taken away. I, I prayed for people's sicknesses, <laughs> as, uh, as um, I think a lot of people's families right now are experiencing that. Uh, but I didn't see the powerful moves of God, and so I said, okay, God, well, where have you been in my day? And he began pointing out a couple of things to me. I had gone to the gym that morning, and I ran into somebody that I had thought about a, a little while earlier uh, when I'd seen them earlier at the gym, and I had an encouraging word that I wanted to say to them, uh, but they had left um, before I was able to say that. And, uh, and so then, uh, yesterday I was able to go into the gym, and that individual was there again, and, uh, and I put my feet forward <laughs> and went up and, and, and shared what I hope was an encouraging word with them, something that God had laid on my heart. And I saw God in that giving me that opportunity to share that, giving me the courage even to step forward uh, and to share that with that individual. Uh, and even that conversation was able to put me in contact uh, with a good friend. It, it reminded me of my other friend that I was able to contact uh, and, and set up a, a time to talk with uh, later on uh, in the week. And so that was a little picture of God for me. I experienced joy and laughter yesterday. Uh, it's been a while. <laughs> And I experienced it. I was uh, blessed to be able to be a part of a, a friend's birthday party. Another pastor in town, his wife had contacted me and asked him to keep him busy uh, while they went off and, and, uh, and set up his surprise party. Uh, he knew that something was coming, but he didn't know that I was a part of it, and so that was really great <laughs> to be a part of. But I just enjoyed him. We spent like an hour and a half together, and I just enjoy him thoroughly and being with him. And then being a part of his birthday party, being able to be a surprise factor in that, and then see the joy uh, that, that takes place at such a gathering, right? Like, um, there, so many people were there were just laugh, laughers, uh, and we played games together, and it was just a beautiful time for me, and so I saw God in that. I had an amazing dinner with my wife. <laughs> and we laughed. And we really enjoyed each other and we enjoyed our time. <laughs> there, and, and even earlier in the day, um, when I had a little bit of time just kind of not doing anything, we were putting up old videos on our TV of, of the kids when they were young and sometimes doing really cute things, sometimes doing like ridiculously funny things. And it's just so great to look back on, on things and see uh, how far God's taken you, the many blessings that God has brought about in very normal ways in life, things that we would so often miss. So I wanted to end our time together. We are going to sing a couple of songs at the end, but if you're paying attention with the program that's in the, that's in the bulletin, um, we've moved our prayer time. We didn't have it when we said we were going to have it, and maybe that's bugging some of you, but... <laughs> Somebody laughs, oh yeah, it is, okay. <laughs> it's good. It's good. We, uh, so I, I, I'm sorry if I, I uh, have <clears throat> caused you concern, but we, uh, we're going to end our time with a little, a little focused time in prayer now. And my invitation to you, I'm going to pray. Um, and after I pray, we're going to have the dreaded moments of silence um, where you will then, I'll ask you to pray as you feel able. Um, or to reflect, simply to think, maybe look back on your week. In what places has God entered into uh, what it is that you've done? Where has God moved that maybe you haven't seen? And this is where I say pray because you can ask God 
to kind of show you areas in which um, you were unaware uh, as to his presence. Because we can be. And so you can ask him and say, okay, God, where, where were you this week? It, maybe it's been a really hard week. And that prayer for you could be a blessing to say, okay, God, where were you? And let him show you or let him bring your mind to an event uh, and how it is that he's there. Ask God to show you where he moved in small ways. Maybe where he enabled you to walk forward on dry ground and on the firm foundation that is Jesus to build uh, your life day to day uh, on the solid rock of Jesus. Um, at, the end, uh, at the end of our time, I will sort of pray a prayer of thanksgiving just to say, God, thank you. Thank you for being part of our life. Thank you for showing us the things that you've showed us, uh, for being with us. And even throughout your prayer time, I would say that there's opportunity for you individually to express your gratitude to God to say thank you for this. Thank you for being there. Thank you even for speaking to me in this moment. I, I would suggest that it may be appropriate for you or for any of us to maybe ask for forgiveness in the hardening of our hearts that we can have in the tuning of our minds away from uh, the small moments and only looking for the big things. Uh, and you could also maybe even spend some of your time asking for, for further revelation, for further clarity as to where it is that God is at work within your lives. So that's how we're going to end our time, and then we'll sing a couple of songs. Um, but let me pray, and then, and then I will leave you uh, to your time to do as you will, and then we'll close uh, once again in prayer. Jesus, you are powerful. You are mighty. You rule over everything in this world. You hold all things together. All things were created for you. All things were created by you. We are yours. And we thank you for the ways that you've moved powerfully within our lives. God, in this very moment, I ask that you would show us where you have been moving quietly where you have been working in the small things, that you would draw our attention uh, to what we may have missed, that you would use this time, God, to encourage our hearts, to show us of your ever-present uh, reality within our lives. I thank you that you promised to never leave us or forsake us, that you are with us to the end of this age. So Holy Spirit, would you guide our time would you guide our hearts? Would you guide our minds? Would you guide our thoughts? Draw us to yourself. Thank you.